there are, there are, <clears throat> thank you to my volunteers for uh, putting yourselves out there. That was fun. Um, I hate to, I hate to admit this, but there are a lot more songs on prayer than there are sermons on prayer, at least in, in our church. We haven't uh, preached on prayer enough, I don't think. Um, I want to shift from music trivia to Bible trivia for just a second, and I want to ask you guys this question. Jesus, I'm going to put this in the form of a Jeopardy kind of format here. Jesus did this often, sometimes for hours, to build up the power and endurance he needed to do what God called him to do. Is it A, CrossFit, workout, B, yoga, C, trip to the spa for a good massage, D, binge watch Netflix, or E, he prayed alone. You all got that right. Luke, our gospel writer that we've been uh, looking at over the last several months, pauses 12 times in his gospel to tell us that Jesus withdrew himself to pray alone, sometimes all, th- all the way through the night, oftentimes for hours. And this was something Jesus was in the habit of doing. Do you remember as a kid asking your mom for something and uh, she would say no, asking her for some, you know, a snack or a cookie or if you could play with that kid or do a sleepover and she would say no, what did, what did you do next? You <laughs> ask again or you could ask dad. Someone said ask dad. That's what I did. That's what my sister and I did. In fact, we finally figured out after a long time that we should just ask dad first. Because dad was much more likely to say, yes, my kids figured this out as well, that if they really want something, because we've wised up, you know, if my kids ask me for something, the first thing I do is, did you ask mom? That's very wise, dads. If you haven't figured that out yet, that's the first thing you should ask your kids. And if she said no, then sorry. Sorry, I stand by mom. If they haven't asked mom yet, then you're like, oh no, what do I say, (laughs) Uh, my kids have figured out, though, that I am more likely to say yes. What, it, what is it about us dads that we are more likely to say yes? There's probably a lot of possible answers to that question. A couple of them, I think, first of all, I think moms think things through much more than dads do. Dads don't think through all the potential consequences. Also, moms tend to worry more about all the different things that can happen. Dads are like, oh, you want to, sure, that sounds like fun, go for it. Uh, And also, here's the other thing that kids realize, and someone already said this, if your dad says no, you can just keep asking, and many dads can be worn down. Many dads will reach a breaking point. Well, they'll finally just say, yeah, go ahead. And here's the interesting thing. Jesus tells us, A couple of times in the Gospel of Luke, he tells us a story to make this point, that God is like that. God is like a father to us. Jesus called God his father every time he prayed to God, except for one time on the cross when he addressed him as my God, my God. Jesus called God a father. He told us that we, he taught us to pray in in a similar fashion. He said, when you talk to God, call him your father, your good father. And ask him for whatever you want. And if he says no, you keep on asking. 
You keep on asking. And uh, here's why I tell you all that. Because when we think about prayer, our picture, the picture of God that we have in our minds, we've talked about this many times at Crosspoint. What comes into your mind when you think about God? That's one of the most important things about you. According to A.W. Tozer, whatever you think about when you think about God, we all have a vision of God, a version of God that we think about when we think about God. And some people think about God as a harsh, angry, demanding, distant father who doesn't want to say yes, who loves to say no and shut the door in our face and doesn't want us to have too much joy in this life. And that's how they relate to God. It might be because of the dad that they have or the dad they didn't have. But many people think about God and relate to God that way, and so they keep their distance. They don't pray because they don't believe God wants to give them good things. But Jesus said that he does. Jesus gives us a very different picture of God. And he says that he is our good dad, and he wants to say yes to us, and he's ready to give us his best if we would just ask. And so it's very important. The, the way that we think about God, your picture of God will shape your prayer life. It just will. And if you think about God as your good father, you are going to be a person who prays to God often. Because Jesus shows us a God who's approachable by faith, a God who wants us to draw near. Did your dad ever have a room that when he was in that room, you were not allowed to enter? Did he have a room? My dad, uh, my dad actually did. And my, um, my, I remember my grandpa, my, my mom would talk about us, my grandpa when he was in his study and the door was closed, they weren't supposed to go in there. And uh, some dads have a, you know, a, a room or a workshop and they don't want the kids around um, I, you remember the Sandlot, that movie, The Sandlot, and the, 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 the main character, the son, wasn't supposed to go into his stepdad's, that one room where he had all the baseballs and all that stuff. A lot of dads have that room, but <laughs> here's the thing, God doesn't have a room like that. We have, we have the kind of access to God where God, want, God shares every room of the house with us. That's who God is. That's what God... That's the kind of God we have and what he's ready to give to us. He wants us to bother him with our petty cares and concerns. We have a God who is very well acquainted with grief and he's with us in our pain and there is nothing we can't bring to him. No need, no concern, no fear, no anxiety that we can't or shouldn't bring to our Father God. And Jesus, the Son of God, demonstrated what true, what true dependence on God looks like because, as I said, he would regularly withdraw from everyone to spend significant time alone with God in prayer. And on one such occasion, in Luke chapter 11, we read this about Jesus. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray. And I want you to, say, to notice something, that after everything that the disciples had seen Jesus uh, do, and all the, all the preaching and the teaching and the miracles, they don't ask Jesus how to preach, how to teach, how to do miracles. They ask him how to pray because they understood that prayer was the key to everything. Prayer was the key to everything Jesus did. So they ask him to teach, teach them to pray. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, may your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. That, of course, should sound familiar. This is a little more modern translation, but that should sound familiar to many of you. That is what's commonly called the Lord's Prayer, and we're going to look at that 
particular prayer next week, but today we're going to focus on what Jesus says next. And this is what Jesus says next. Then teaching them more about prayer, Jesus used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from his bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night. My family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and to everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. Jesus is talking about prayer, and he's talking about how we pray to the Father. That's what he's teaching us about. And if you would think about this in modern day terms, just think this through. Imagine that you have just put your small children down for the night. You finally get, they're finally asleep. You're tiptoeing back to your bedroom, praying that God in his great mercy keeps your children asleep for the next eight hours. And then you hit the hay and fall asleep. A couple hours later in the middle of the night, you hear a banging on the door. Who in the world would do this to you? You go downstairs and one of your neighbors is there and they call you a friend and your first thought is, no friend would do this to me. <laughs> this friend doesn't even have an emergency. They're not choking. Their wife isn't, his wife isn't taking one of their kids to the ER. Their house isn't on fire. No. They're entertaining some guests and they don't have enough Pop-Tarts. <laughs> and so there they are banging on your door in the middle of the night and at this point, you don't even care about the friendship anymore. You just want them to go away. So you give them what they ask for. Now, according to Jesus, prayer is kind of like that. If it seems like God is at home, keep knocking, keep asking, keep pursuing, never give up. Do you know why? Because even though God might not give you what you're asking for anytime soon. There are certain things God will only give you when you ask relentlessly. That's true about God because God is good and he wants to say yes. He wants to give us what we need. He might not give you what you asked for, but he will answer when we pursue him, when we don't give up. And God loves to give himself and he loves to give his power away to people who have the audacity to keep asking him over and over again, even after months or years of silence, people who simply won't give up. And as I read this story, and there's another story like it in Luke chapter 18 that we won't have time to get to today, but Jesus kind of pictures our relationship with God as a high-maintenance relationship. It's a high-maintenance relationship. That's what it is. Do any of you have high-maintenance relationships, like a relationship with uh, do you have, for those of you who have multiple children, some of you, do you think of some, some of your children as high maintenance and others that aren't? Let me just tell you, all of your kids are high maintenance. Every single one of them. Every marriage is high maintenance. Maybe some more than others. Every one of them is high maintenance though because every 
meaningful relationship in your life is high maintenance. It has to be. If it's worth anything to you, it will be a high maintenance relationship. I used to have a friend years ago who would often reassure me, hey, hey man, I'm a low maintenance friend. He would tell me this over and over again. What he meant was that I'm not going to demand a whole lot of your time. I'm not going to, you know, call you in the middle of the night with, and I'm not going to ask you to pray for me. I'm not going to come to you with all my problems and so on and so forth. And he, he stayed true to that. And at first I appreciated it. But looking back, what I should have understood right away was that was a friendship that was never going to last. And guess what? It didn't. Because as, as, as soon as my life got messy, as soon as his life got messy, the relationship was essentially over. Because every meaningful relationship that we have is a high-maintenance relationship. Any friendship that is worth something to you will be high-maintenance. And if it's not high-maintenance, it's not important to you. There is no going through the motions. There is no cruise control. There must be constant communication, constant dependence, continual pursuit of the God of our salvation. And that's what prayer is for. That's how we pursue God. That's how we talk to God. That's how we ask God for things. That's how we show our dependence on God. That's how we show our trust in God. That's how we go to God for help is through prayer. It's just talking to him. It's like going to your dad and asking for help when you don't know what else to do. And you keep asking, you keep knocking, you keep seeking. You never give up. One of the reasons we struggle with persistent prayer is we have believed a lie. And the lie is prayer does not always work. Prayer doesn't always work. Have you ever heard that or felt that way before? Prayer doesn't always work. Let's be honest. Sometimes we pray and amazing things happen. And other times we pray and nothing happens, at least nothing that we can see. We just sang this morning about God Give me vision. Help me to see what you do. That's something I pray often. That is a great, that is a great, that is a great line to sing in worship. That's, that's something that we need because oftentimes we're praying and we can't see anything. We can't see any spiritual activity. But it's there. And, and so it's important for us to ask God for that kind of vision. I remember over, uh, I'll never forget, over 20 years ago now, I had a pastor uh, he was a, he's a great pastor. Um, his name's Dave Price. Some of you know him or remember him. And uh, this was when I first started attending this church, actually. And Dave had a son who was eight years old. His name was Greg. It was his only son. He had three older daughters. And Greg had a heart condition uh, that his, he had, I think, from birth. And his, his parents knew about it, and they were careful to protect Greg. But when Greg was eight years old, uh, he ended up in the hospital because something happened with, uh, that triggered this heart condition that he had. And uh, at first, things did not look good, and uh, he wasn't doing well. And so our church uh, really rallied around Greg in prayer, and I remember the elders went to the hospital, and they prayed over Greg, and they anointed him with oil, which is something that the early church was in the habit of doing, and, um, and we've done over the years for quite a few people. And the next day, Greg turned a corner, and it looked like he was, he was going to come out of it. And we were really excited and uh, hopeful that Greg was going to be okay, and it looked like God was going to heal Greg. But 
a couple or a few days later, Greg died. And it was devastating. It was devastating to Dave and his wife and his family. It was devastating to our church. It was, it was confusing. And I know that people were questioning during that time, how, how could God let this happen? We prayed. We prayed. We prayed. And uh, one of the things that I remember from that season is that Dave, my pastor, didn't stop praying. He, he just, he kept praying. And it was, it was the most difficult thing he's ever gone through in his entire life. I'm sure he would, he would tell you that today. And, but Dave kept going. He, he never gave up. He still believed that God was good. He still believed that God was worth trusting. He still believed that God could carry all of his burdens as painful as that was. And today, Dave is in his mid-70s. He's still a pastor. He's a, he's a pastor in North Carolina now. He has never stopped praying. He prays for our church. A couple years ago, Dave, uh, they found um, a, a large malignant tumor attached to Dave's heart. And uh, they, things didn't look good. Dave's life was in danger. But through the prayers of many, many people and through some great surgeons, God healed Dave. And he is still going. He's still kicking. He's still praying. He's still leading. He's still pastoring people. He's just an amazing testimony of faithful, persistent prayer. But it's because of stories like Greg's that many people have given up on praying. So I want you to know, as a, here we are today, ordinary Christians. I'm just like you. We're ordinary Christian, you know, day-to-day relying on God. And I want you to know that if you have doubts about prayer and how effective prayer is, and if you ever think, you know, prayer doesn't work, you are not alone. That is something every Christian struggles with. Every Christian struggles with this. It's a faith issue. We all struggle with that. But the point is, there, you know, there will be times where it feels like this is not working. God's not going to answer. I don't see anything happening. The point is we can't give up because we need God. We need him. We are desperate for him. There is nothing we can do of any spiritual significance without God. Nothing. Jesus told his disciples, apart from me, you can do nothing. Nothing. And that's us too. We can do nothing of eternal significance apart from Jesus, apart from his power and his presence. So what I want to tell you is prayer might not change your circumstances, but it will change you. It will change you. Even if God doesn't answer right away, even if he doesn't change your situation or give you what you asked for, he's doing something in you when you, when you seek him and you yield yourself to him and you ask him for things that you need and you keep asking and don't give up. And sometimes God answers prayer at times you didn't expect. I think I've told this story before, but I remember quite a few years ago, my wife and I were really struggling with one of our kids, and they were sort of at the age, I think they were eight, and they were at the age where we felt like they need Jesus. Like, there's no, we can't, we can't fix this. As, a, as parents, we were struggling. We didn't know what to do. We were having issues, um, behavioral issues and things like that. We were struggling with patience. We felt like we were failing as parents, and we just kept asking God, please, please, would you save our daughter? Would you, 
would you just send your spirit? There's nothing we can do. Just send your spirit to her and raise her spiritually. Wake her up to you, Jesus, so that she puts her faith in you and trusts you and just help us. And we, were, we cried out to God many times. And then one night, one night, and, and we, we, were, we had already made the decision. We're not going to you know, lead her to, to say a prayer or anything like that. We're not going to coerce her in any way to make a decision for Jesus. We want that to be her decision. We want her to initiate that. So we had determined we're not going to, we, we told her about Jesus all the time. We prayed together. We shared the gospel with her and talked about how Jesus died for her on the cross. But we wanted her to decide that she was going to follow Jesus. And so one night, she just did. She she, uh, she was broken. She had done something uh, to one of her siblings and she just came unglued. And she was weeping and she told my wife, I want to pray to accept Jesus into my heart. I want to ask Jesus to forgive me. And it just, we weren't ready for it, but it happened and, Jesus, and God answered that prayer. And I found out later that week, I told, I told Phil, Pastor Phil, who's not here today, and he broke down crying and I said, I said, are you okay? What's wrong? And he said, we prayed for her at our elder meeting last week. It, we prayed for your family. You were the next family in the directory and the elders were praying through the directory at the time. Every single week they'd pray for new families and he knew what we were going through and he prayed specifically that Brooke would receive forgiveness and ask Jesus to come into her heart and she did, just like that. And uh, it was just amazing and, it, and, it, and we had a big party and a celebration and... Um, We'll never forget that because God answered through, through persistent prayers, just through us never giving up and through, through Pastor Phil, I guess I was a little jealous of that if I'm being honest. <laughs> but I'm so thankful for brothers like that who pray for us, who pray for us. So you know what I think the whole idea of this whole passage is? It's really simple. It's not complicated. Approach God with shameless audacity. Because he is good. Because he's good. And I want you to listen how Jesus concludes his teaching on prayer in this passage. He says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Jesus is contrast. He's not comparing. He's contrasting dads like me with God. And you know what? I feel like I'm a pretty good dad. In fact, a couple Father's Days ago, my kids gave me a T-shirt that says "Best Dad Ever." I'm pretty sure they only made one of those, and I got it. So, and you know what? If one of my kids comes to me in the middle of the night and they come into my bedroom, if my seven-year-old daughter and she asks me for a drink of water. Or I'm going to get up and get it, even if I don't want to. If my wife asks me for a drink of water, I'm going to get up and get it. If one of my older kids asks me, I'm going to kick them out of my room and tell them to get it themselves. <laughs> I'm a, listen, I, I think I'm a pretty good dad, but I know I'm evil. I am an evil man with sin in my heart. And I'm a saint because I'm covered by the righteousness of Jesus. I have sinful desires and wicked desires. I have, a, I have a flesh that rises up 
and, and it tempts me to do things that I don't want to do, that I know are wrong. I'm an evil dad, but God is not. You cannot imagine how good God is. We, we, say, we, we say God is good all the time. We say it. God is good. God is good. Praise God. But believe me, we have no idea how good God is. He is better than you ever imagined him to be. So that means when you have a need or you are hurting or you are anxious, you should ask God. That should be the first thing you do. Go to God. Nobody is more trustworthy than him. Nobody is better than him. Nobody loves you more than him. Nobody has proved their love for you by dying for you. That's our God. Paul Miller in his book, A Praying Life, said, If you are not praying, then you are quietly confident that time, money, and talent are all you need in life. You will always be a little too tired, a little too busy to pray. But if, like Jesus, you realize you can't do life on your own, then no matter how tired you are, you will find the time. Listen, Jesus, this blows my mind. Jesus is the Son of God. He never sinned. He, went, he, he, know, he experienced every kind of temptation that we do and was without sin. He is the God-man. And yet even Jesus depended on his Father in prayer all the time. Why don't we? Do we think we need God less than Jesus? No, it's because we have more important things to do. We really do. We think of, that's at least what we, how we think. Because really praying and really, you know, really going before God and praying and asking and waiting takes time. It is a sacrifice. And we think that we have more important things to do than that. So we, we really just pray when it's convenient. But I want to remind you here today that in this church family, and we are a family, that we have very real needs. And some of them we've been talking about. Uh, again, today we mentioned Al Twildall, who's dying of cancer at Aurora, the Aurora Hospital in West Dallas. It used to be West Dallas Memorial Hospital. He's been there for a couple months, I think. And he needs our prayers. And he needs our support. We have Craig Zentgraff, who is now in hospice care, I believe, because he is, is not doing well. And his wife comes here faithfully and worships with us. And he's our brother. And she's our sister. And they need us to support them in prayer. We have Leo Bunchkowski, who came home from the hospital this week, but he's not out of the woods. It's going to take weeks for him to recover. He's in a very vulnerable place. And so the Bunchkowskis need our prayer. They need our support. We need to continually, persistently be lifting up our people in prayer. We get prayer cards every single week for people asking for prayer for themselves, for their families, for their friends, for their neighbors, for their coworkers. There are kids who fill out prayer cards and ask for prayer for things that are going on sometimes in their family that they need prayer. And I know that there are so many of you who haven't filled out a prayer card, maybe ever, and you're not at a place where you feel like you can share that information with me and with our leadership team. You're not ready. Maybe you don't want to burden us with that or trouble us with your prayer needs. But we are the church. We are the family of God. We are called and equipped to lift each other up in prayer. What more can we do for each other? What are we here for? 
We need others to pray for us. We need that support. I need you to pray for me. You need me to pray for you. We need to be vulnerable to one another. We need to be coming together and praying corporately in our small groups, in our, as families, when we get together for Bible studies, when we get together like this, we need to be spending time in prayer. So I, I want to invite you, if you ever want to come early on a Sunday morning, we pray almost every, excuse me, every Sunday morning at 9 o'clock, we go up into the loft, usually just a couple or a handful of us, and we pray. We pray for the service, we pray for the word, we pray for the worship, we pray for people who God places on our hearts, and everyone is welcome to join us. You can bring your kids if you want, I don't care. They should see us praying too. We want, we want more people to be part of that. We want to know what's going on in your life so that we can pray for you. Because we believe that God is good and that he will answer us. And we should never, ever give up. God, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you, God, that you are a good father, that you know, you know us, God. You know our needs before we even ask you. But our asking is so important and necessary. God, help us to see how desperate we are and to depend on you for all of our needs. Help us to depend on you for help when we're hurting and help us even to be willing to ask you for the impossible. God, your word says we should approach you with confidence because you have already covered our sins through the blood of Jesus. So we come to you today, God, through the blood of Jesus. We ask you to make us strong. Help us to stand firm in our faith, God, so that no matter what temptations or challenges we face this week, we will not give up the fight. God, make us a church that is a praying church. In Christ's name we pray, amen. There's one more verse I want to share with you this morning. It comes from 1 Thessalonians 5, and I'm going to put up the screen for you real quick. This is Paul's conclusion as he's writing to this church. Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you to, who belong to Christ Jesus. Have you ever wondered what, what's God, what God's will is for your life? That's it. That's God's will for your life. Wouldn't, isn't this a great vision for what a church should be? This is the kind of church that we are becoming. A joyful church. A church that never stops praying. A church that is thankful in all circumstances, even when it's hard. That's who we are. Please, please stand and I'm going to give you the benediction this morning from uh, Hebrews chapter 10. Please bow your heads with me. Let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promise. Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Amen. Thank you so much for being here today. Have a wonderful week. We'll see you next week.